So welcome back to the podcast with myself, Ron Walker. In this episode, we're going to take a slightly different tact and look at a different um, modality of presentation. So I'm going to give a few lectures, actually. So I'm going to give the lecture today on the art of active listening. Uh, and then next week, I'm going to give a lecture on the skill of dealing with difficult people and teamwork. So creating effective teams and dealing with difficult people. And what I wanted to do is really just mix it up on the podcast. So um, every now and then I give a lecture interspersed with fascinating and engaging guests. Um, like I said before, I'll be screening these on the Restore podcast and the Pre-Hospital Care podcast. So both listener groups get, get to hear them. And what I really wanted to do is dig in and just do a deep dive on these subjects. So we're going to mix it up over the next few weeks. And um, this lecture is going to look at active listening. Okay, so looking at the overview of what we're going to cover in this lecture, we're going to look, look at a definition of active listening. We're going to look at the class example and when it falls apart. Uh, we're going to look at the anatomy of the received message, also the why and what of active listening. We're going to look at AAA listening and what that means. We're also going to look at the kinesthetics of listening and what it feels like to be heard, to be truly heard. We look at a few different models, the four areas of communication, the communication triangle, the power of silence. And we're also going to look at the quality of listening. And then we're going to finish off by looking at the power of agreement. So know that attention is the currency of value within the reality that we all live in. So social media companies, advertising agencies, and indeed people around you, social relationships and otherwise, all strive for attention. And so active listening really is the jumping off phase and or skill which endows and, and gives people that attention and gives them the... It's the leverage or indeed the, the first step on the rung for rapport. And we'll dig into that a little bit later and we'll jump into a definition shortly. But I just wanted to say just in the hierarchy of value, attention is king. So what we really need to do is recognize that um, in giving our attention through active listening is the first step on the rung for really truly building relationships which both matter and can affect change. Okay, so a definition of active listening. Um, one is posited by the International Listening Association, defining active listening as the process of receiving constructive meaning from and responding to the spoken and nonverbal messages. It's really important to pass that part. A lot of communication is both nonverbal and includes functionality of sort of the tonality, intonation, as well as the spoken word itself. So Levitt uh, in 2001 identifies active listening as the therapeutic micro skill involving listening attentively and responding empathically so the client feels heard. And I think that's really also the crux of active listening, just empowering the other person to feel heard. And we'll dig into that later. So the classic problem um, is something around the fact that really we can process words far faster than we can speak them. So essentially, the narrative or indeed the, the the dialect or voice which is coming towards you isn't necessarily as fast as your th processing speed. Therefore, what we, we do within our short-term memories, we triage this information um, and then we attribute importance to information and then discard what we, or indeed what maybe our subconscious brain attributes as low worth information. 
and uh, low worth information isn't actually always the case. So we quite frequently in communication are in transmit mode rather than receive mode. And this is a powerful point actually around not thinking about the next thing you need to say, but actually truly listening to the words spoken from the receiver or indeed the person speaking to you. So we do know that attention and retention are finite commodities. So my uh, attentive skills, my conscious attentive skills are, are finite and indeed reduces when, when we get tired. But the average person can speak about 125 words a minute, but the human brain can process roughly about 800 words a minute. So we can really see there that, that, that actually, actually we can be lost in thought or indeed processing um, beyond the spoken word and really lose what the, what the communicator has to say. So we apply the heuristic of triage quite frequently to communication and it normally serves us well in different areas. We've got lots of information coming at, at us in, in, in a day, both from smartphones and in reality. And daily we have to triage and downregulate or upregulate information coming at us. But actually it can really do us disservice when communicating with others to really triage what people are saying and not take on board either the inferred meaning or indeed the actual spoken word. So as I said before, cognitive fatigue reduces the capacity and capability of the interior temporal lobe. So it, it reduces the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex's ability to both assimilate words and indeed retain words. Classic case, classic example is um, around names. So, so the, the classic meet and greet and in the hierarchy of communication, you have maybe what you want to say, or indeed you're trying to posit or position yourself in the communication and in the in the interaction. And the first thing that comes and goes, uh, which is actually vital, is the name. And you can forget the name so easily, but actually is a key facet of the communication because attaching worth to names is a mutual sign of respect and rapport. So. And it really personalizes messages as well. So it really is a classic example and one we can really start to um, combat by saying a person's name twice or three times over in the communication. Now, that's maybe nothing new, but actually, as we'll find out later in, in, the, in the lecture, attribution of name in conversation is absolutely key to building rapport and indeed to to sort of hopefully getting the, the outcome that you want from the conversation but it also subconsciously shows the communicator that you're engaged and that you're attentive and this is both with uh indeed people that we're familiar with or indeed that we we have got rapport with but also strangers also people that we might not have met before such as people in restaurants such as people on the street or in business that you might only meet once um but what we really need to do is really overcome this anterior temporal lobe um, heuristic of, of, of forgetting names, because actually what we want to do is uh, really start to anchor 
and indeed attribute worth to 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 someone's name repeat it um and then start to to use it within the information you're giving them because then there, there is real attribution of both rapport worth and indeed respect as the conversation goes on so something I said before, which is absolutely key, you know, daily daily life is triage of information. Okay, and we all do this. Um, up to eighty percent of neurons within the corpus callosum between the left and right brain are inhibitory uh, neurons, so they inhibit um, active communication between the two two lobes, and that's because actually most of our life is spent in focus, learning what to focus and pay attention on and then uh, discarding everything else so classic case emails the average person receives about 121 emails in their in their in their working day give or take um but they send on average about 40 a day it means about 75 percent of everything you send and receive is ignored so it's really prudent to understand that most of our day is spent in this inhibitory, subconscious inhibitory mindset. But actually, what we need to do in interaction, especially in active listening, is really be purposeful, both in the spoken word and the tonality and the intonation, but very much in the in in the attribution of names and indeed in the content. Okay, so something um, called information uh, entropy is is a key term known in the literature, and it's actually a subfield of mathematics sort of concerned with transmitting data across noisy channels. And so the cornerstone of this information entropy or information theory, as it's called, is the idea of quantifying how much information there is in a message and distilling what is valuable versus what can be discarded so a theory which is worth noting in this is this is the signal noise relationship and the signal noise versus noise relationship is a x and a y axis and at the bottom is uh, less noise so noise up one axis and signal down the other so less noise and less signal and so this is the information light uh, environment where there's really not much communication there's not much information at all people are sort of left guessing uh, it can be really difficult to navigate this environment something which occurs quite commonly within pre-hospital care but also just in life um, and in emails is more noise and less signal and this is really around obscurity so just lots of noise no real signal um, just lots of information which doesn't really either make sense or is relevant to your working day so the next paradigm is the top right which is the distraction and this is probably where we all spend about 75 percent of our day so it's more noise more signal and um so there's lots of noise lots of signal so there's lots of semi-worthwhile information there's probably about 10% of really true signal and worthwhile information and the rest is potentially noise and this is the zone of distraction whereby there's lots of elements of what I call sort of low worth information, which I'm personally trying to silence in my life, but um, but but causes me to be distracted. And it's probably noise versus um, true signal. Um, and then there's the bottom right, uh, which is more signal, less noise. So you're just managing to silence the noise, silence the notification, silence the low, low worth information and really just focus on signal and this is where we all really want to be 
So the anatomy of this received message was really posited initially by Albert Morabian, um, sort of a professor of emeritus psychology in UCLA. And uh, back in the 1970s, uh, he posited that um, actually the actual the actual communication was only 7% spoken word. The rest actually, 38% was tonality um, and modulation, so intonation. Uh, and then 55% was nonverbal body movements, facial nonverbals, arms. And actually, that actually we needed to put a lot more emphasis on recognizing nonverbal communication in the actual communication itself. So this is proven to be not entirely true and widely misinterpreted that actually Morabium was um, positing that this is only really true when the communicator is talking about their feelings or attitudes. So there, unless they're talking about feelings and attitudes, these equations are not necessarily applicable. Other studies in medicine have pointed to so the spoken word can have up to 40% of importance, um, 40, followed by 50% tonality and 10% nonverbal cues. And this is certainly true within the pre-hospital or indeed um, paramedic environment where actually you may not have time to acknowledge tonality or indeed intonation and things just need to get done uh, in, a, in a prompt manner. So it really is about the spoken word, but also about reconfirming the spoken word, such as closed loop communication. And we'll get onto that a little bit later. So the why of active listening. So why do we uh, utilize active listening? Well, it's to build rapport, as I said before, it's to give respect, to show deeper understanding, but also to pass apart the communication. So eventually to facilitate agreement as well. So we're going to talk about the art of, or indeed the power of agreement a bit later. But to use agreement, we have to first actively listen to this spoken word, uh, because actually you need to understand what. Uh, are the essentials of the communication to to agree uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later so the what of active listening so empathic listening is a principle that all of in 92 posited um, and rogers in 1951 this is a simple acknowledgement so the simple non-verbal acknowledgement actually but then reiteration of message of their spoken message using representational understanding what i mean by representational understanding using figurative speech um, according to what they use so if they say i can't see this in this way or i don't hear you like that using the same figurative speech back to them to build rapport uh, and then perception of understanding so you show them that you're understanding them by reiterating the message back using their representational understanding and also using their information so the AAA listening, um, as we spoke about before, is really about maintaining a constructive attitude, sort of paying attention. So attitude, attention and adjustment. And the last one is absolutely key. So attitude and attention is hopefully something we're doing in in all our daily lives, which is good attitude and paying attention. But adjusting um, to the spoken message and spoken word Depend and just being flexible enough to follow where the communicator is going. So, just not 
trying to press your indeed again this speaks to not trying to press your communication on someone but really listening to their words carefully where they're taking the conversation and indeed any inferences non-verbal inferences just picking up on the subtleties of communication and this is around adjustments um, so that you can then reflect back and, and indeed couture and tailor your communication appropriately so the communication triangle is a fascinating uh, model and it really just uh, something i mentioned before in critical care communication one of my other podcasts and this is just really around um, the fact that in daily life we all communicate with each other in rituals and cliche now this is low value information which you know is designed to build rapport uh, designed to facilitate agreement but doesn't really is, is safe information doesn't really share any risky information now ascending the communication triangle is sharing facts and information then ideas and judgments then sharing feelings and emotions which are more risky gives people more uh, information on you and then the top of the triangle is peak rapport and that's truly being vulnerable with people in your working day or indeed in friendships and relationships but with increased risk becomes increased rapport so actually what happens in 9.9 .9 times out of 10 when you share in the right context when you share vulnerable information with people they are far more likely to share vulnerable information back and what that does is it's increase it's risky but actually increases psychological safety from the other person and allows them to to feel safe to share information back so again it should be implemented wisely but uh, the ascending this triangle is absolutely key. And the basis of this is, is, is active listening, is listening to the message which is coming to you so you can start to ascend the triangle and ascend the rapport. Okay, so the next thing really is to say around kinesthetics of listening. So what does it truly feel like when someone's listening to you? What does, what does that feel like? What does it tell you also about the listener? And would you gauge by the interaction? And so what tends to happen from the communication on the part of the person being listened to? So I know, just answering that question myself, actually when I've been listened to, I feel like I want to endow the other person with the same respect. But I also, something twigs in me actually when I feel like someone's actively listening to me and then maybe reiterating my message back because what it makes me understand is that they are really integrating what I'm saying and then and and actually what that does is it not only builds rapport but it also starts to make me aware that they are truly conscious of how they're coming across and also what the spoken word means so actually it's it, and it's a real token of uh respect um and we all we've all been in that place where we're in communication where someone else is just waiting for their chance to speak and they're not truly listening to to others in the room and another facet of when i feel listened to is sometimes there might be a pause by the other person so they may not speak straight away and again that's a real massive nonverbal indication that they're just trying to assimilate and process the, the the communication which is coming towards them and i would advocate using that 
because it's a real powerful synergist in showing people that you are both integrating and processing what they what they have to say so the four areas of communication is another model um so it's, it's also called the four-sided uh, communication model um and uh, Friedman Schultz posited this in 1981. He said that every communication has four facets, um, and this involves sort of the fact of, a, uh, of the communication, self-disclosure, and the social relationship or inference for the for the communication uh, or inference of the message, and then finally the wish or want behind the behind the message. So let's just dig into this from a, a uh, an example. So, um, so if, if someone, if two people are cooking together at home and one person who didn't cook says there's something green in the soup. So the factual level is there's something green in the soup. The self-revealing there is that I don't know what it is. I'm a bit scared to eat this maybe. Uh, the relationship layer is you should know what the, green thing is in the soup and then the appealing of layer is tell me what that thing is what is what is the green thing in the soup um so another way um of passing apart is really looking at the factual ear um because the, the the factual statement might only be a few words indeed itself but then the self-disclosure or self-revealing layer really might be more about the inference might be more about the tonality and intonation um the relationship layer or social layer is really again how it's expressed the facial non-verbals or indeed the eye contact which is which is powerful uh and then the wish or the wants again is around the inference of the statement or indeed the question but uh, really learning to pass communication apart the sort of the factual the self-disclosure which again is the tonality the social relationship which might be the non-verbal and the eye contact um, and then the, the actual wish or the want or the primary mandate for the message itself so the power of silence we've spoken about this already um i use the power of silence when i'm speaking in groups actually or indeed speaking um, uh, in lectures to large groups of people. The power of silence is, is, is really useful as a circuit breaker. Now, what I mean by that is people get used to cadence of communication. They get used to tonality, cadence. They get used to um, the way in which um, you deliver information, both in conversation and in a lecture. But if you stop speaking and break the cadence and the rhythm of communication, it really breaks your subconscious attention. And it also starts to notify the listener that something's different, something's changed. So use well-timed silence. Uh, Mark Heliprin says, well-timed silence is the most commanding expression. And it really is. So... If you stop speaking, or indeed after the person's spoken, you take two, three, four seconds to really assimilate and absorb what the, what's been said, then that's really quite powerful, and it can actually do do exactly what you need it to do, which is get the attention of the room by not saying a word. Okay, so next is the quality of listening hierarchy. So at the bottom of the hierarchy of listening is ignoring. So I think something we all do uh, in our day-to-day -day life, we ignore certain elements of information 
the second is pretending and we all do this in certain facets of our life as well in our daily life third is selective listening the fourth is attentive listening and the fifth is empathic listening so selective listening is when we just hear parts of a story based on our interests and indeed what we want to get out of a conversation and it really is sort of a primitive form of listening i'm certainly guilty of it and again it, it kind of serves the one-sided monologue uh, which you uh, don't necessarily enter into a two-way conversation or two-way communication you're just picking elements of the communication out but attentive listening is is around focusing on words spoken but also focusing on the energy towards a speaker so using your eyes to really listen to their words to listen to their face facial record their, their non-verbals to listen to their tonality um and then um and then reflect back and then empathic listening is something we'll come on to now so empathic listening is really the practice of being attentive and responsive to the input of others during communication. COVID 2020 states there's four steps to empathic listening, and that's really just mimicking content. So this is around, again, there's quite a few NLP concepts in here, neuro-linguistic programming concepts around matching and mirroring. Uh, so matching and mirroring their non-verbals, rephrasing the content back to them. Uh, and also reflecting feelings, because let's not forget that actually communication is a lot of feelings and the inference of communication or information is to reflect feelings um, for better or worse. And then stage four of empathic listening is rephrasing content and reflecting feelings, which mimics, matches and then builds upon what the uh, initiator of the communication uh, said. So it's really important that you are both in line and aligned and then you are building rapport and then you're coming into land with both the emotional connection, the information connection, and then you're coming into land on your point or bringing your response to that information, which which may not have been formed prior to the communication. So you're being responsive based on their information. Okay, so the questioner, uh, and this is another way of really inferring active listening, is asking probing questions and asking questions based on received information, but also asking open questions. So making sure that the the, that the question is um, is formed from the information you've you've had coming towards you, and I, I use this a lot in communication anyway, just in general conversation. Generally, in normal everyday communication people actually like to be asked the questions that they are asking so just in informal communication or, or conversation sometimes it's nice to ask the other person once you've answered uh, what they feel about the same question because often they have a response often they have a well-formed response so asking those open questions back to people is often a powerful rapport builder so the next thing we uh, we broached before is about the closed loop communication, and this speaks to the the the, the differential of uh, of really sort of communication under stress, and you know not really passing apart or or putting too much attention onto the nonverbal communication or indeed the tonality. This is you know when things are happening in a stressful environment or in pre care 
closed loop communication is absolutely key. And, you know, actually it happens within daily life when the majority of us go to restaurants and order a burger or indeed a an, an order at the, at the restaurant. Uh, the waiter or waitress or um, server to the table will often closed loop communicate your order back to them. And and that's a powerful way of just making sure that the information is right, that the information is correct. And we absolutely need to do this in, in daily life. So this is what I'm hearing you say X, Y, and Z. I'm hearing that you want this, this, and this, and it gives the other person a chance to clarify and correct if, if, if need be, but there's the, it, but, but it's really powerful just for, for clarity of message. So personalized listening is something we we spoke about before. Use of names throughout the communication, use of eye contact, using eye contact as a fundamental communication tool, because actually if your eyes aren't listening, the other person will know, the other person will sense that you're truly not in the room with them. So use your eyes to listen to people. It sounds weird to say that, but it's absolutely true. Uh, Acknowledgement of, of messages. Uh, introduction of content later on in the communication or conversation. So just using their information later in the communication is absolutely a powerful tool. Something I'm trying to get better at within podcasting is using guest information later down the line, just to show them I've truly listened to their, to, to their answers. And then something I learned when I was doing business development um, for two and a half, three years was really um, using gratitude as a fin- finisher to every conversation. Uh, that applies to podcasts, but it actually applies to general life. Um, and it also applies to just routine conversations. So thanking people for their time, thanking people for their perspectives, for their engagements um, is uh, is absolutely the way to finish communication. And you'll see a lot more reciprocity uh, when you use gratitude as a finisher in communication. So something um, worth saying at the moment is around the invisible griller. So you will miss things in communication. You'll miss things in general life. Um, like I said, um, our heuristics, which get ourselves through lives. So I've been reading a few pieces, interestingly, uh, recently on heuristics. And bias and heuristic isn't necessarily a bad thing. They're, 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 they're formed over time and, and they are honed and refined to allow us to move through life and information in an efficient way. But actually what we will do as a process of using bias over time is that we'll miss things in in uh, in our environment. Um, so some a way to really combat this is to ask, have I missed anything to the communicator? So if I listen to someone and then close loop, communicate that information back to them just to make sure I've got the salient points. And then what I might also do is say, have I missed anything? Because actually I know I'm filtering through my biases and actually I miss might miss things within, within, within the environment. The classic gorilla dancing gorilla is a, um, a classic example from this where Stanford university uh, put people in front of a video uh, and kept to count the number of passes and in a base in a basketball team and they missed the dancing gorilla almost 50 percent of them missed the dancing gorilla on the on the basketball court um so 
they ran the video again, the experiment again, and they said, right, tell us when, what you see, how many passes, and if you see anything else like a gorilla. <laughs> Indeed, they did see the gorilla, they were looking for it, but they missed some other key information that they, that, that the Stanford uh, professor put in the in, in the uh, video, which was they changed the color of the, uh, of the backdrop. And it just goes to show we're never truly fully attentive, that, that things are changing all the time. And even if we've been caught out and then we, we tend to that, something else might change in the background. So asking whether you've missed anything is a key phrase and a key, uh, a key question in any communication, just to make sure we are squaring away our biases. Uh, chunk information is absolutely key. Um, I can't stress this enough. So chunking information to people, we all process communication and information through our short-term memory. So our active listening, no matter how good we are, we will not retain long um, uh, iterative messages. We really need to uh, chunk information across people, knowing that actually the way we receive information better is through being chunked so i can retain information far better when it's chunked to me so actually i'll do that to other people knowing that they will retain that information far better when it's when it's chunked and the classic case of this is sbar so situation background assessment recommendations and, it, and again that doesn't need to be applied just to medicine it can be applied across the board so this is the situation this is the background to this situation this is my assessment of the situation and these are my recommendations and or treatments um, and so when I'm teaching this in class, um, what I do is I put up a stream in 10 seconds, I put up a stream of 20 different words and get people to try and remember them. Um, and then, and then we, we, we run that to its course and people can often remember five or six words out of the 20. And then I put up in, in the next 10 seconds, I put up a slide whereby I've got 10 acronyms. So 10 three letter acronyms, NHS, HEMS, WEM, ECO, MED, uh, Adrenaline or ADX and, and a few others. And actually you often get 90 to uh, 90 to 95 percent retention of all the acronyms, all the three letter acronyms, because they're chunked together. So it really does work. And it's a powerful tool just to get people to realize the power of chunking. So something we said before around eye contact, eye contact is absolutely key. So eye contact, you know, people joke are the windows to the soul, but actually you do use your eyes tactically uh, or not. So if, you, if you're not looking at the communicator, it's a, it's a powerful nonverbal tool to show them that you're not truly invested in their, in their communication. Now I've spoken about the power, power of agreement before now, but really the power of agreement is 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 fundamental to getting a both a unified agreement on information, but also starting to build rapport and get your points across. It's just far harder to disagree with me if I've agreed with you or you indeed have agreed with me on three three things. And these might be remedial things. They might be things around the weather, things about the workload, things about anything. But if I come in with the fourth point, it's really hard to disagree. So getting the power of agreements on ubiquitous, universal things in the environment, which are easy to agree on. So I'm coming to land on the lecture, but just to say that active listening really builds rapport. 
And rapport really builds trust and trust really builds cohesion. So if you can harness active listening as the first step to rapport building, you will facilitate trust. And trust is absolutely the gel to relationships, to uh, to indeed cohesion or cohesive or collaborative working and is the is the cornerstone of, of business. It's the, also the cornerstone of pre-sport care. So active listening really is the jumping off point to this. And it's the it's the foundation of teamwork as well, because one of the true foundations of teamwork is trust. But the but the but the precursor to that is active listening. Okay, so in summary, really, and again, this is I'm giving this lecture as much to myself as I am to everyone else, around sort of silencing the inner dialogue. So silence truly silence what you want to say in a communication um because what you want to do is really listen to the information coming at you and then form your response on that basis rather than having predefined predetermined messages to speak i would say use eye contact tactically so be very purposeful about your eyes ask open questions based on information which has been given to you chunk information back to people because people receive chunked information far better remember names and use them tactically throughout the conversation uh close the loop use closed loop communication and also use the power of agreement um, and ask if you are missing anything because Often we miss things in communication and um, closing, truly closing the 360 loop is asking, um, have you missed anything from your your reiteration of message? And finally, in summary, um, what we need to do is just, as we said, sp spoke about before, is acknowledge our biases and heuristics. They do serve us well um, and they've been formed for a reason, but not necessarily an interpersonal interaction. And just utilization of uh, key information from that, that initial communication is absolutely key. So if, to aim to achieve the top of the hierarchy of listening, uh, you don't have to sustain it, but start to use information wisely, steward information that is given to you, start to move past the, uh, indeed, the ritual or cliches and start to send the communication triangle by inference of vulnerable information or indeed information which is yeah, on it, an honest reflection of what you want to convey, but to build rapport. So empathic listening uh, is a skill to be deployed in practice on a daily basis. Uh, you, know, you and I are never going to get there initially on in every communication, but even if you deploy it once a day and work 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 further on that basis um using the power of silence so really using silence as a circuit breaker to cadence of communication and just reiteration in equal amounts so using that tactically um just also use the class example to your advantage so employees names um use names to your advantage from people that you don't necessarily know or indeed going to meet again because it's really really is a fundamental sign of respect and then personalized listening to the individual and all that truly means is taking time to understand that individual's needs as we were talking about the four years of communication what's the inference behind the communication what's fact what's the social disposition or indeed social message and what is the wish or the want behind the message as well so taking time to really pass those apart hold think 
and then deliver your message on the back of it. So I hope you've um, enjoyed that uh, lecture. It, hopefully it wasn't too long. Hopefully I didn't lose anyone <laughs> in the process. Um, again, it's just a, um, what I want to do is just mix up the way I'm running these podcasts by giving a few lectures myself and indeed, um, yeah, just reflections on practice uh, from my day-to-day -day interactions. So um, I will um, deliver one next week as well on dealing with difficult people and teamwork, so bringing teamwork together and how to do so and then how to de-escalate difficult people. Um, again, I'm always interested in your feedback. What I'm going to do at the bottom of this podcast is I'm going to give my email just so please do feel free to uh, use my email um, email me back with any thoughts reflections or indeed content that you might like on the podcast many thanks for your time and we'll speak to you next week <laughs>